Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. Well, hello, my friends. Thank you for tuning in to another episode here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast. I know it's been a while. I've been traveling and speaking and writing a new book and spending some time with family. So it's great to be back here in the studio to record and get into the Word of God with you as we continue our chronological story uh, through the Gospels. And so it's been fascinating and enriching for me, and I pray it's been for you as well. So last podcast in Podcast 78 The title was, I was lost, but now I am found. And we looked at those rich parables, those great stories in Luke 15. And guess what? Jesus continues these parables in Luke chapter 16. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at one particular parable in verses 1 through 13, the parable of the dishonest steward. And then we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 18 when Jesus confronts the coveting of the people that were living in those days who were abusing their powers, right? And again, this is like a broken record. It seems like every time Jesus was out in the midst of the people, he was warning them about the Pharisees, not just about the leaven of the Pharisees, right? Their false doctrine, but their covetousness, their pride, their hypocrisy. And then when you look at verses 19 through 31, that famous passage about the rich man and Lazarus. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to put that aside and pick things up next podcast. So I say that because everything we're going to be talking about today feeds into the rich man and Lazarus. So it's very important. That's not just a standalone uh, teaching of Jesus. Now, a lot of times people refer to it as a parable. I'm going to tell you next week that why I don't think it's just a parable like these other parables that we've been talking about um, um, for many reasons. But I say that just because oftentimes when, when, when people give the story about the rich man and Lazarus, they oftentimes neglect in the context of which it is, which again, goes back to why we're doing this in chronological order, because it puts things into perspective. So having said all that, let me bring you up to speed as to where we're at now. If you remember, Jesus goes off to Berea in John 10, 40 through 42, and there he taught several lessons on the kingdom of heaven. We saw that in Luke chapter 14. And then last podcast, when we're looking at Luke 15, he told this amazing parable that was divided up into three specific stories about the lost sheep, the coin, and the son. And so now Jesus continues his teaching and he's saying this to the disciples now in verses 1 through 13, that he's going to turn his attention and he's going to speak directly to the religious leaders, but he's going to use a parable about a dishonest steward to convey in a very important message that I pray that we will also heed on this podcast today. So now we pick things up in verse one where it says, he said to his disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, a steward of the estate. And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting, literally he was squandering his possessions. So this parable is a continuation, I believe, from the story about the prodigal son. Remember, they're both connected in chronological order. So that's important because when you go back to Luke 15, remember Jesus spoke directly to the Pharisees when he was telling them about the prodigal son. But now we're told he turns to address the disciples. Now, of course, the religious leaders were there. They were still listening in. But Jesus wants to convey a very simple 
message to his disciples. He wants them to use what has been given to them for kingdom purposes. That's the message overall. That's going to be conveyed in this podcast today and the one about the rich man and Lazarus. The simple message is this. What you've been given, you use it for kingdom purposes. So this phrase here, he was wasting his possessions. The bottom line was this dishonest manager, he was squandering his master's money just like the prodigal son did. Now, in terms of the prodigal son, that was his father. In this case, this manager, this steward of the estate, his responsibility was to use his skill set, his honesty, to not just establish the properties that were in the estate itself, but to prosper it, to grow it. And yet he wasn't doing that. So now in verse two, it says, the master calls his manager to himself and he says, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be manager. So the master who hired this manager to oversee his properties and to manage, remember, all of his finances wasn't doing that. So the man's losing money. He's losing respect in the community. And so what you see is that the manager who was given this responsibility was spending his master's money and he was making poor investment decisions and jeopardizing the whole operation. I mean, that's troubling. If you, if you right now listening and you've entrusted uh, you know, a CPA, you've entrusted a financial advisor, someone to help handle, or maybe you ran a business. I have a lot of friends through the years who've told me uh, how partnerships went south and how they invested all of their earnings into a business with another partner and that person just completely squandered it and they had to declare bankruptcy, the whole thing. So if you've ever been there, you know how painful that is, right? Almost to the point where it's hard for you to trust anyone moving forward. So this is kind of the setting that Jesus is establishing in front of his disciples. So verse three, and the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. So it's interesting here because once the steward's mishandlings were found out, it's not like he repented. Rather, he scrambles to recover his name and his future status. It's not like he was concerned about what he actually did to his master. But at the same time, he's realizing the shame that awaits him. So in verse four, he says, I've decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill, write 80. So now what we see at play with this particular steward is his actions now when he has been confronted by his master are very shrewd. So what he does is he leverages his position one last time to gain him respect for future prospects. Now, of course, once again, this manager does not get the approval of his master. Instead, he's doing all of this simply because he wants the approval of his master's debtors. Now, verse eight, upon hearing this, Jesus says, the master commended, meaning he spoke praise over this dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Literally in the Greek, it just means his prudence, his wisdom. 
And then Jesus says here in verse eight, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. So the point that Jesus is making here in laying out this interaction between the master and his steward, remember, and he's conveying this to the disciples and the whole main message, the simple message is what you have been given needs to be used for the purposes of advancing the kingdom of God, period. Now, of course, the master did not approve. He did not condone the actions, the strategies of how the fire steward did what he did, but he nonetheless commends him on his shrewdness to get the debtors to pay. Now, Jesus is sharing this parable to his disciples because remember, he uses phrase, the sons of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Now, obviously we know the sons of this world is in reference to this dishonest steward. And Jesus is telling his disciples, listen, the reality is people will take what I have blessed them with and they will use it for their own advantage. And a lot of them were far more effective in handling the things of the world because of their covetousness, because of their pride, because of their envy. They will handle things better than the sons of light will do in advancing the kingdom of God. So when it came down to the interests of the steward, he's thinking, what am I going to do in the future? How are people going to receive me? Oh, and then it kicked in because of his own self-interest. It wasn't for the interest of the master. It was how people would receive him. And the point that Jesus is saying is that when people are so self-motivated that way and they only care about themselves, they can be pretty effective to a certain extent. But when they're in that mindset compared to sometimes Christians, right? This term sons of light, so we're referencing it to us. Let's apply it to us now. When it comes to how we've been given so much, you think about all the resources, you think about all the relationships, you think about all the access that we have, the wealth, knowledge base, as well as financial base that we have and how we fail to be effective in advancing the kingdom of God. It is sad. Now, one commentary writes, landowners sometimes forgave or reduced debts in times of famine or other crises. Those forgiven normally praise the creditor as benevolent in return. The landowner now recognizes his manager's shrewdness. If the owner protests that the manager acted on his own, the debtors will be angry with the owner and generous toward the manager. So now in verse nine, Jesus says, and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Verse 10, one who is faithful, meaning one who is dependable in a very little, is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? You know, when you hear these words, it can be a little bit confusing about what Jesus is trying to convey to his disciples but again, as I've been mentioning before, the message actually is very simple. The parable that he's telling when he's talking about making friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, what he's saying is it's about stewardship. He's saying that what you have is not your own. Everything that you have been given is on loan from God. And we will be judged accordingly on how we take what we've been given and how we use it. Do we use it for our own gain or do we, or do, we do it for the glory of God? And that's what he's, he's talking to them about is being a wise steward of the possessions that you've been given and to honor God through them. And so when he says here in verse 10, one who is faithful, meaning one who is dependable in very little, be faithful over much. This is a very simple yet profound truth or proverb. When you are faithful in little things, God will bless you with more things. 
And that's why in Luke 19, verse 17, he says, well done, good servant, because you've been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. You see that same thing in Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. So when he says this in verse 11, if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? What he's saying is if you can't be trusted with material possessions, how can you be trusted with spiritual matters? They're inseparable. If a person is faithful with money, then he or she could be trusted with greater responsibility, period. You and I know that. And that's why verse 13 now takes what Jesus has been saying and he summarizes it in this one statement. And he says this, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus is saying, you have to choose your master. This was not only an open rebuke to the false teachings from the Pharisees who were saying that rich people were only favored by God, which ran contrary to the teachings of Jesus in Matthew 6, 24 and Matthew 19, 24. But I want you and I, my friends, to think about us right now. Who are we serving? Are you letting money get in the way with your relationship with God? Is the church that you attend more interested in money than in spiritual development in people's lives? Are they wanting to take the money that they've been given to invest it in worldly things or do they want to invest into the souls that God has given? Now Jesus turns his attention to the Pharisees in verses 14 through 18 and he's going to confront their covetousness, how they love their money. It says here in verse 14, the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed, meaning they despised, they derided, they turned their nose to Jesus. Now, this is, again, fascinating because remember back in Luke 15, the Pharisees mocked Jesus because he was fellowshipping with sinners. And now as he's pointing out their hypocrisy and their covetousness, they ridicule him for this because he exposed them for what they are. I mean, you think about when we've done that in someone's life, I'll never forget a great mentor friend of mine, a very well-respected individual who's been around for quite some time. And he had kind of a former... A buddy, a student, if you will, who had come to prominence. And this individual was, was really coming out hard, which I thought was great on prosperity doctrine. But after a while, he was living like a high roller. And so this older mentor went to him and gently kind of said to him, hey, I know you don't use scripture like the prosperity people do to twist, you know, the passages of scripture to gain more money for yourself. I know you don't do that and you've done a great job calling these people out. The problem is, however, though, is that you're taking a lot of what this ministry is taking in and you're always pleading for money and saying we don't have enough money and you're living in a multi-million dollar home and you and your wife are taking both incomes from this ministry and you're, you guys are living like large lives maybe you should cut back and put more of that money back into the ministry. Of course, the person wasn't going to hear that. And he cut ties with him. And I remember him telling me that story. And I thought immediately here of Luke 16, 14 through 18. These Pharisees were indignant over the fact that a poor man like Jesus was scolding them about their use of money. And that's how this individual was with this mentor. He's thinking, I'm a lot wealthier than you. My ministry now is a lot bigger than yours. Why do I need to listen to you? And notice that covetousness breeds the pride and the pride breeds the covetousness. So now here in verse 15, Jesus says to them, 
You are those who justify, meaning your right relationship to make proper yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. What that means is what is valued more than God is an abomination. So the religious leaders, they cared, again, what? More about their status. They cared more about wealth. They cared more about the approval of man, what man thought rather than God. But of course, you know, Jesus calls this out. They're not fooling Jesus. They may be fooling others, but God knows their heart and he will judge them accordingly. So this open rebuke of Jesus clearly points to his rejection of the Pharisees' values in their traditions. And he's warning his disciples to be aware of this, not to fall prey to this. So in one sense, we have to be careful that we're not that dishonest steward, as well as we're not like these Pharisees. So in verse 16, Jesus says, The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone forces his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot, meaning one little tittle, which is the smallest part of a letter of the alphabet, which is a seraph of the law, to become void. So what Jesus is saying is, if the Pharisees truly abided in the Jewish scriptures, they would have not only received John the Baptist as a prophet, but accepted his prophetic words that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They would have believed in Jesus as the Messiah, but instead they decided to apply their own standards and interpretation of the law. And they were saying, this is how you ought to live in wealth and high position and power. And they're forcing other people to do the same. Verse 18 reads, everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And he who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. Now, the moment you hear this, you're thinking that's how Jesus ends covetousness as he rebukes the Pharisees. He talks about divorce. This seems out of place, out of sorts. But in actual fact, of course, this is Jesus talking. So we know that he knows what he's talking about. So why does he use divorce? Well, it's simple. Jesus uses divorce to prove his point about how the Pharisees twist the law for their own pleasure. So just like they take a covenantal relationship between a man and a woman and they abuse it and they put these other laws in place to allow men to divorce their wives, they're, they're, he's saying you're doing the same thing when it comes to my holy word. That's what greed does. Greed can take us away from pursuing the desires of God. And so speaking to us directly, to myself, to you, to the, to, to the whole Christian community, what are the idols in our life? What, what, what things in this world are we pursuing that are not honorable to God? And I want you to think, is your life right now, if you were to die and you're standing before God, would he say, well done, good and faithful servant. You took what I gave you and you used it for the purposes of the kingdom of God, or you like that dishonest steward. Again, as we always offer uh, you, the listener, that no matter what we're faced with in life, no matter what tragedy or trial or tribulation that faces you, no matter what sin has overcome your life and that you become a slave to, there is freedom in Christ. Cry out to him, ask for his forgiveness. And my prayer, my friends, to you, as you listen to know this, that God wants to use you. He's given you the resources. He's given you the abilities to take what you have and to use it for his purposes, to use it for the glory of God, to advance his kingdom. I pray that you will continue to do that. Thank you for listening. I love you guys, and I'll see you on the next episode. 
For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at StandStrongMinistries.org. Thank you for listening, and keep standing strong in the Word of God.